welcome to the FE Research Podcast with Joe and Alistair, a podcast that aims to shine a light on the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. In this special edition, we have our first podcast takeover. We handed the mics to Lou Mycroft, who was on our podcast recently, and Dr. Christina Donovan, talking about trust in the community. So hello and um, welcome anybody watching or listening this. I'm Lou Mycroft and I am one of the organisers for the AP Connect programme, particularly working on the constellations, uh, the communities of practice, Constellation B and Constellation C and C+. All will make sense, I'm sure, as we go through the conversation. And I'm here to interview Christina Donovan and Christina's working on a research project um, across the constellations, which is something really new for us. And it's something we're really excited about. And this interview is not about the nuts and bolts of it because you can find that out elsewhere. Just, just shout if we've not put that under your nose. It's absolutely about, I suppose, the vibe of the piece, Christina. What do you think? Um, yeah, so I guess what, what I've always known about your work, Lou, is that it's, it mirrors what I would like to achieve in lots of ways. So whether it's from, you know, gathering around hashtags which create joy in movements or the stuff you do in the thinking environment or the, or the communities of practice strands, for me, what you do is kind of, I keep referring to it as trust in action because that's, that's what makes, that's what I think of when I think of the work that you do. Um, and that reflects kind of the academic side of what, I've been thinking about for the past kind of four or five years um, and I guess when when I was asked to be involved with the evaluation of this project I felt that it was a good opportunity to try and put some of those ideas into action um, and given that the communities of practice strand in particular is um, is by in its very nature collaborative and it's about community it only it made sense that the projects researching it would mirror those principles as well um, so it is underpinned by, kind of informed by my understanding of what it takes to build trust, um, but also from looking at the literature on doing, uh, using co-production research and how that can really um, not just give us um, an understanding of a phenomenon, but actually lead to transformation. So it's research that moves on, it doesn't stay in one place and it doesn't stick in it doesn't, um, it isn't static, it doesn't just reflect a point in time, it's about how we can work with participants to move the work on um, towards a transformative place. So I felt that co-production was kind of the right approach to take in, in, in this particular um, programme. Wow, that's a wonderful way of expressing what it is that we're trying to do here. And um, trust in action is, you know, that was just like a great big uh, uh, power bolt to my heart it was fantastic to hear you say that and I know this is turning into a bit of a loving but it always does when we talk <laughs> one another um, because actually our work is so aligned and I think when we're working together it is a praxis of that work around you call it trust I call it community building but we absolutely mean the same mm -hmm. thing and, um, and we've been aware of that for the last few years and looking for opportunities to be able to do that praxis work. We are doing this evaluation because of you and your work. That was the inspiration. It wasn't, oh, we'll do an evaluation, who can we get? It was, can we do an evaluation with Christina that draws on her trust work in FE? So that's brilliant. And you're right, co-production has absolutely got to be at the heart of it. And then 
because because the whole project is about being equal as thinkers it's about people in different roles not working in hierarchies it's about the Deleuzean idea of um the rhizome rather than the tree so um you know not the, the we're not climbing up here even though many of the ap's are going on to follow that arboreal path um in fe and will be the leaders of the future are in fact the leaders of now but it's about that rhizomatic network it makes the research a little messy in the sense mm -hmm. of you know once you start co-producing you can't control those outcomes. So how how are you, and we should mention as well, your co-conspirator, our co-conspirator, the wonderful Colin Forrest. Yes, of course. How are you and Colin managing the um, potentially unexpectedness of those outcomes working with 12 co-production researchers? It's really interesting what you're saying because the kind of one of, one of the things that needs, is central to building trust is that kind of, embracing a vulnerability which means being comfortable with uncertainty and I think that's something I'm still still coming to terms with as we start to prepare this project as I need to be comfortable that I don't know what's going to happen but that uncertainty is what leads to transformation for me that being okay with uncertainty so um, when I think of of trust I think of it as a forward-facing action so often we tend to be clouded by what's happened before when we think about um, what to do next. So we think about the histories, what's happened before, we bring that into the context. But actually to achieve transformation, we've got to move forward. And to trust is to kind of move, move forward with our thinking. And that means just being, being honest and saying, well, I actually don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited because whoever comes on board with this it's like you say, whoever's here are the right people. They will be the right people to take that project forward in a way that suits them. So the, the only kind of structure that we currently have in place, myself and Colin, is that we'll be organising the four research meetings, um, which will, which are the detail of which is in the, in the, uh, in the programme already. Um, but those meetings will be um, structured to ensure that there is equal participation from each of the... Um, each of the co-evaluators and then it's about then depending on the constellations that the co-evaluators are coming from that they might want to develop different methodologies to suit their constellation so for from our perspective i think what we see as as our role is to to facilitate that process and provide structured support for that process but not necessarily to dictate what is the best way of gathering evidence or what the best questions are for each of those constellations because actually each of the constellations will have very different aims and aspirations for what they want to get out of the project but that also applies to to you and the other um, communities of practice facilitators there's no point in us doing an evaluation that doesn't include the aims and aspirations of those who've also designed the program um, because in order to be able to take that feedback on board and move forward with it and make this program even better it's about you having that um, ongoing reflexive process with what's happening in those research meetings so your participation will also be really important within that. Brilliant. I um, started this by saying I was interviewing you and that's a ridiculous idea because that never in fact happens and what actually is opening up here is a dialogue. I also mm -hmm. um, was mindful of you know guidance around um, 
podcasts, interviews not being too long, being a certain amount of time. And I'm now throwing that out of the window as well, as long as you've got time to reach the natural end of this, because this just feels so rich and so mm-hmm. important. A couple of themes I really want to um, explore. One is the notion of trust as forward-facing. One of the things I really love about you and I is that we come from really different genealogies of theory, don't we? Mm. And find ourselves in this practice, practice place, theory and action, where it, it, it absolutely works. And when you talk about trust as being forward-facing, that's exactly what I mean when I talk about values being a practice. It's something which is active. But I'm also here thinking about recent work I've been doing around the Three Horizons model of um, of future planning and um, future perfect, I heard someone refer to it as, but I'm not comfortable ever around the word perfect. Three Horizons is about the things that we do to look to the far horizon. And it's occurring to me, and this is a massive light bulb for me, that what happens in the middle from horizon one where we are now to horizon three is actually about practice rather than structures. We see planning as being a set of structures and actually practices are where we need to be. And you're describing a methodology where you have set up a structure that allows the co-evaluators to have different practices within that. And that Mm -hmm. is really important when it comes to doing anything new because otherwise we end up with the same answers we've always had. And that's always been important, but it feels particularly important now, like the gut punches, global pandemic, everything's thrown up in the air. We know that there are huge amounts of go backery out there and people sort of, I, I get it, out of fear, wanting to hold on to the way things have always been. And it's really difficult then to work with vulnerability and to work with the sort of messiness and the complexity and the uncertainty of this landscape. And for me, there needs to be a sort of vying between structures which allow practices to happen. And it feels like that's really what we've got here. What I wanted to ask you about particularly was the ethics. So my approach to ethics, um, is, a, is based in, you know, again, in this sort of rhizomatic post-human notion of living an ethics, so practicing an ethics, rather than having a structure. So again, practice versus structure. And yet, inevitably, I mean, I'm just, you know, two weeks away from finishing my PhD. I have the, the tension of the prescribed ethics of the institution, of the academy, and how I can justify my my um, post-human approach to ethics within that. I would imagine there's probably some similar tensions for you and Colin in the program, in the evaluation mm. design. Mm. For me, it has to be rooted in those values. So as we've, you know, I'm, I'm new to the, to, the, to the notion of co-production as, as a methodology. Um, I knew of it and I felt that it was a really good fit. But as we were, as I was doing the preparation and the background reading around co-production, um, it became clearer to me how important stakeholder engagement is and not in a corporate sense, but is in who, it, who values this research and um, who, needs, who needs to get something out of it. And how can we make sure that that, um, that structure is, I guess, as, as flat as possible? Um, and there are all kinds of ethical dilemmas in terms of who's in the room, when are they in the room, 
you know, for example, yourself, the other COP facilitators, what are the dynamics of that with the with the rest of the co-evaluators? So there's all these kinds of, you know, questions firing around in my mind around that, that relationship construction and the, the dynamics of the relationships, which will inevitably, I assume, change during the course of the program. Um, but how do we address those kind of in the moment um, and, and bear those in mind at all times? And I think for, for me, the ethics lies at what lies at the heart of the ethics is the values that underpin the research. So if I'm going to start from a, a, a trust perspective, my research suggested that trust is made up of um, unity, thriving, transformation, optimism. So if I can build those um, principles into um, those research meetings, then in theory, I'm working towards a trust environment. In theory, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but for me, um, that involves having mutually shared values, a, a set of mutually shared values. So actually what you were saying about values in practice is gonna be really important for that first research meeting where the whole of the meeting is, is designed just to establish the values which are bringing us together so that we can then build the aims and intentions of the evaluation. But actually, I think that that values work requires a meeting in and of itself so that we can establish where we're all coming from, what we want to get out of this, because actually you can't build trust very well if you're operating from a different base, a different set of values that can inevitably lead to kind of conflict, can't it, when, when we feel like we're not really trying to achieve the same thing. And often that's why evaluations are often perceived as scary or threatening, I think, because if we feel like we are being evaluated, but we're not sure on what basis we're being evaluated or what the values are that are underpinning that evaluation, and we feel we have no control over that process, that represents a threat. Um, whereas if, we, if those values are negotiated, um, then in theory, we can start to, to, to build bridges and to actually to start to flatten that hierarchy a little bit. And then the process of the research will be about returning to those values and making sure that what we're doing is in line with, with what we agreed at, at the beginning of the process. Wow, I'm so fascinated to, to see this unfold actually and to be a part of it. I think, you know, I've tried to do values work down the years for a lot of years now, 20 years. And when people resist, what I often hear is, yeah, but one individual can't share values with another. We're not asking you to unpack your whole set of personal values here. We're asking you to do, can you sign up to these explicit values which are at the heart of the ethics of this research? And to be explicit about mm. it is to identify what they are, to be explicit about it. That to me is a I mean, I know there's lots of dis debate and discussion around informed consent, but that feels like a much more genuinely informed consent than sometimes mm -hmm. those picky boxes that we are, you know, meant to understand as informed consent, informed about the values of the piece. And, and I find that really interesting. And this sort of um, relationship between structure and practice reminds me very much of a thinking environment practice where you know, I mean, I'll just for people who are maybe a bit newer than, than we are to the thinking environment, the thinking environment is a set of applications. So i.e. coaching or around or mentoring or a meeting where 10 components or values are held in place. So in a thinking environment, we all sign up to these 10 values. 
no matter what other values we've got in our values backpack. The values are held in place by the structure. So the facilitator mm -hmm. keeps this, you know, we don't have many rules, but the rules we have, we really hold firm to. So the facilitator holds the structure based on the understanding, the experience, the observation, the assumption, the evidence that if you hold that structure, those 10 values are enacted, are practiced. And this seems really, really familiar to me then as you describe mm -hmm. the process for enacting this ethics, that's exactly mm -hmm. what's happening here. One of the things mm -hmm. I think which also feels really important about this is there is literally nothing that the co-evaluation can find out that would upset us as, when I say us, I mean the facilitators of the project, like literally nothing. And that is true because we have learned to embrace our vulnerability and move beyond defensiveness. And that feels like a really powerful place to be. I've got to say it's taken us two and a bit years to get to this point, mm. but it does feel powerful. And, and the, the phrase that keeps coming to mind to me recently that I haven't tended to use a lot is anti-competitive. This project is genuinely anti-competitive and, and that feels like a really great basis to be engaging in different constellations with people. So you can find out whatever you want and that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what you were saying about you know what, what we're trying to create is is almost we're, we're trying to flatten that hierarchy we're trying to create truly collaborative relationships in which there isn't necessarily a hierarchy but we know that many practitioners if not most of the practitioners are going to be going back into environments which are underpinned very much by by hierarchies um and so i guess one of the things that i, found, that I thought was interesting when um when i was invited into this was was what can practitioners take away from being part of this process. Um, so one of the things that we hope to achieve is that one, because one of the outputs, you know, the, the, the kind of aspirations that we have at the moment are very vague, but we will discuss, because we are also co-evaluators, what we would like to get out of that process as well. Um, but one of those ideas was to create an, a, a toolkit for using these techniques with, within organizations as well, so that when um, practitioners can kind of go back into these very hierarchical organizations there is at least um, a way of doing something a, a little bit differently that can be trialed um, within the within those contexts and that's how you kind of start you know nudging at the door isn't it of of of, um, of practice within institutions which which you know we both know are very um, resistant to change in, in lots of ways because that is part part of that trusting the process I guess is is letting go of what might happen um because that means that it gives people freedom to fail as well which is very difficult within institutions that like to be very invulnerable um but if we can kind of give people tools to allow them to to hold that vulnerability um with with a with a structure that kind of supports it then perhaps that will that will lead to to practices which can then be translated into different contexts as well yeah, and I think that the whole rhizomatic metaphor, if you imagine a rhizome like, you know, mint is a great example that you think you dug it up and then it like roots underneath and it pops mm. up somewhere else like ages away. Actually, the fact that this is rooted, we've planted this mint in the AP Connect 
programme means that where perhaps co-evaluators, you know, maybe might even have a bit of a hostile environment for this sort of thinking and development in the organisation, they've still got that strong route here, if that makes sense. Mm. That they can still do so much learning and come back and be sort of supported and lifted as part of that constellation while they're doing really brave work in an organisation which is maybe a little too fearful to you know do fresh thinking or, or do mm. new things we can do hard things is something that you know the joy fe is one of it is a real joy fe motto and um yeah we can do hard things and we can really do hard things where the tap route is somewhere incredibly supportive mm. so it's almost like a sort of managed vulnerability Yes. And pop up somewhere else and, you know, and then, you know, scurry back to the main sort of route when you're needing mm. that, you know, that constellation, strength and support and collective care. This notion of collective care is something that I've encountered recently, rather than the sort of individualist metaphor of self-care. And I'm really liking that there is a collective care element in all the different constellations, not just the formal ones, but the different projects that's right that are arising out of AP Connect. Mm. Yeah, and, and actually that acknowledging that to be vulnerable is actually a, not an easy space to be in. It takes a lot of courage to, to embrace that. Mm. And so, you know, if we want to give participants the, the strength to be able to take those things back into the organizations it needs to be it needs a strong root and I guess that the constellations kind of remain that strong root for, as they go back into organizations isn't it it's it's something that they can hold on to and a and a, a some from something from which they can continue to draw strength and um, beyond the life cycle of of the actual AP connect program itself I think so there's there's something that's the same we have in thinking environment you know, that, that's part of being equal as thinkers. When you step into this space, so for example, when you step into the ideas room, you leave your role, rank and ego at the door. That takes a lot of courage mm. and a lot of vulnerability. But when people are able to do that, you can almost hear them going, you know, it's only for an hour. It's only for the co-evaluation. It's only for this project. But I can just be me here in this space. And, it, it, you know, it's absolutely lovely. Thank you, Christina. You know, um, every now and then I will have a conversation and it just, I feel it in my body that it's significant. And I don't know why I was surprised because you and I have shared so many significant <laughs> conversations down the years. Um, and I yeah. don't know why I'm surprised, but this feels like a, a, another such. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today and for all the light bulbs that you've switched on and that are now like, I don't know why you can't see a halo above me. <laughs> I need to put the big light on. <laughs> Thank well, thank you so much for just having me involved with this project. I think it's really exciting and it's it's something that is definitely um, keeping me going at the moment. Fantastic. Well, me too. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Um, can't go very far in Liverpool, I know, but you know. No. <laughs> Indeed not. Sending all love across the Pennines to you from Yorkshire. Aww. Stop recording now. Right back at you. Christina. Okay. Bye.